Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, remember our last episode when we said Joe Manchin just sank the president's hopes of getting a climate bill done? Well, yeah, forget about all that. Today we're doing an about-face and talking about the climate bill that Manchin now supports and what he got in exchange for that support. Hello, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So it's pretty rare, maybe even unheard of, for us to talk about the same topic in two consecutive episodes. But after last week's podcast on the death of the Democratic climate agenda, we couldn't just leave you hanging given what went down after that. As you've probably heard by now, Democratic leaders have come to an agreement with Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, the most conservative member of their caucus, and a crucial vote to pass well, pretty much anything in the 50-50 Senate, barring an unexpected but entirely possible snafu, it looks like Congress is poised to send a big environmental package to the president's desk. So today we're going to talk about how this happened and, more importantly, what's actually in that package with Bloomberg Law reporter Bobby McGill. Bobby's also going to talk about a big investigative story he did recently about orphan oil and gas wells that are oozing out toxic substances in many backyards across the country. First, though, I had to ask him about the Democratic deal and specifically about why Senator Manchin decided to do a 180. I think what happened was, you know, Manchin got some some of what he wanted uh, in terms of fossil fuels. And there was this side deal that um, he struck with Schumer um, to permit the six point six billion dollar Mountain Valley pipeline, which is a gas pipeline that goes across West Virginia. And so he, he's getting some things that he's long championed and are, are going to benefit his state. So, you know, last week when we were on the podcast, we talked about what his true intentions were. He said that he wasn't supporting this because of inflation concerns. But, you know, we also know that Senator Manchin has very close ties to the fossil fuel industry. I'm going to ask that question again. Was this, uh, you know, did he change his mind because he had his inflation fears uh, allayed by economists and other people, or is this really just horse trading? You know, he just said, "I just want more. I can get more, and I'm going to support this bill if I get more." I, I I don't really I don't really know, um, and I think that you know you you kind of have to look at at what he's getting out of this, and um, you know this isn't necessarily subsidies for the coal industry necessarily, so it's 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 other things. It, I, I think it might be the you know he's he's long. Um, you know, championed continued reliance on fossil fuels, and and he's getting that. Okay, so we're going to get into that in a little bit, but let's start off with uh, the climate measures that are in this new package that Manchin and Senate Democrats in the White House agreed to. What exactly uh, is in this um, 
you know, if this does end up becoming law, what what, what climate measures will be in there? Well, it's kind of a big deal. Um, you know, it includes $25 billion in oil industry taxes, including increased taxes on oil imports and um, an oil refining tax to ensure, you know, that hazardous waste is cleaned up. Um, it includes $7,500 um, in uh, tax credits for uh, electric vehicles, and it scraps uh, kind of an odd exclusion for high-selling electric vehicles. That That's right. And I think... Uh that's really important, as we discussed on our sister podcast, Talking Tax. Tesla and other automakers had reached the cap. They sold too many uh, electric vehicles to be eligible for for these tax credits. Now that cap's gone. So now you can, once again, if you buy a Tesla, you can get a tax credit uh, from the federal government as a result of this. And that's not all it does. I mean, beyond electric vehicles, it um, you know there's there are rebates available to install heat pumps in your house to to make. Your home's your your house more energy efficient. It revives a thirty percent solar tax credit for rooftop solar. It's you know it it goes a long way to making houses much more efficient, which was a you know inefficient homes are a huge source of of greenhouse gas emissions. So I get the sense there's a lot of what some might consider smaller things in this. Um, you know they're not small to the people who benefit from them or to the industries that they affect, but. You know, this started off much, much, much bigger than it than it was before. Um, you know, it, what I'm not hearing it, are emissions caps. You know, on on really big polluting industries. Well, not only you're not hearing that, you're you're you know seeing some potential expansion of you know polluting industries, including the oil or mainly the oil and gas industry. So you know, it's it's a mixed bag to be sure. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, let's get into that now, which is, uh, as we mentioned, what did Manchin, Senator Manchin get uh, as a result of supporting this this package? So in addition to the climate measures, there are also a lot of pro-fossil fuel provisions in, in this package. Let's get into that. Well, I think ultimately what this is going to do is sort of, uh, you know, force the market to determine the future of fossil fuels. And the way this works is that it's tying uh, future renewables development on federal land and waters, so offshore wind, for example, to um, fossil fuels leasing, specifically oil and gas leasing. And so, you know, the take-home message is the the Interior Department can't permit wind and solar projects without first holding uh, oil and gas lease sales. And so this is tied um, renewables to fossil fuels for the very first time, and it's the thing that it's the reason that you see a lot of environmental groups calling this the poison pill. Well, so I want to get into that because you and I have talked before on this podcast about federal leasing uh, for oil and gas and how the Trump administration really wanted to get more and more lands out there that are leased. The Biden administration wanted to, I mean, this is probably an exaggeration, but lease no uh, lands for oil and gas leasing. Um, it's not an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... How much interest is there? Because, you know, oil prices are high right now, but they could come, be coming back down if there's a recession. Is there enough interest that there people want to bid on these lands and want to, to bid on federal oil and gas drilling? Well, it's complicated because, you know, the thing about so the, the administration, the Biden administration has been forced to, to hold by forced by court to hold at least one series of oil and gas lease sales. There was definitely interest there, but it was like it was pretty middling. But part of that was that the industry 
knows that you know the future of leasing on federal lands is uncertain and that's one of the things that this bill does it oh, right. it sort of you know gives them a little bit more certainty um but you know prior to the Biden administration what you were seeing was a lot of interest in leasing and a lot of it was speculation um in places like Nevada where there's not a lot of oil and gas to be produced there's a tiny bit but um but you still had a lot of interest in places like Wyoming and North Dakota and especially southeast New Mexico and southeast New Mexico is really I mean that's part of the Permian basin that's kind of kind of where it's at right now with with oil and gas production so but could we see a situation where you know because oil and gas leasing is now tied to renewable leasing so every time the interior department wants to lease some land for renewable energy they also have to you know lease some land for fossil fuels could we see a situation where supply and demand gets way out of whack and the supply is like way outstrips demand and you see these oil and gas leases go for like pennies on the dollar well you're already seeing oil and gas leases go for pennies on the dollar um you know a the the most recent oil and gas lease sale there were a bunch that were that sold for the minimum bid which was two dollars an acre so um, but you know you're you're seeing a lot of interest in areas that have that have proven um, oil and gas deposits so again like the Permian Basin or the the Bakken Shale up in North Dakota. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Plus. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world. So let's get back to this uh, bill. Uh, it hasn't passed. Uh, its chances are pretty good now that uh, Senator Manchin has signed on, but anything could happen, of course. Uh, and one of those things is that environmentalists could choose to oppose this bill. I mean, one of the folks that we quoted in our story called this a climate suicide pact because of all of the fossil fuel provisions here. Do you think that if environmentalists come out hard against this, that they could stop it from from passing? Well, there's no evidence that environmentalists are actually going to do that because, um, you know, if, if just judging by the press releases I've seen in my my email inbox, there's a number of groups that are that are calling for, uh, you know, su support for this bill. I see. And there are others like the Center for Biological Diversity calling these 
you know, uh, oil and gas provisions, a poison pill in this bill. Um, you know, there's there's some truth to that, because if you paid attention to um, climate science, you know that we've got to reduce greenhouse gas emissions as soon as possible. Um, the question is, like, how much if you're tying wind development to um, fossil fuels development on federal lands, you know, how much is that going to make a difference? Like most most oil and gas production in the U.S. comes from private land. So um, it's unclear. So it seems like the, uh, you know, a, a united environmentalist movement against this bill might kill it. But the environmentalist movement, based on what you just said, is definitely not united against this bill. It's not united. Um, and uh, it, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch. Finally, I wanted to talk about uh, another story that you just uh, wrote, which I, I thought was really fantastic. Uh, orphan oil and gas wells. And these are uh, oil and gas wells that at one point produced, uh, but are not anymore, but have not really been sealed up and are still, you know, have harmful uh, chemicals trickling out of them. Tell me, first off, tell me a little bit about what's going on there. And are is there going to be more money to help seal up these wells? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> there's point. Uh, 4- Seven billion dollars in the infrastructure law to um, that was passed last year to help to clean up these wells. There are millions of these wells nationwide, and the issue with these wells is that they are a huge source of methane emissions that contribute to climate change. A lot of these are unplugged, um, and they're also a source of, of water pollution. Um, and you know they could potentially explode your house if you have one. Um, most of these are in Appalachia. We're mostly, though not completely uh, talking about older wells that have been around for 100 years. There's plenty of newer ones, too, um, especially in the West. Uh, but, you know, the focus of this is in, is, is in, you know, places like Pennsylvania, where the oil and gas industry was born in the U.S. back in the late 1850s, um, and uh, like places like New York and Kentucky and West Virginia and Ohio. Um, but you also have a lot of these abandoned wells in in uh, Texas and New Mexico and Oklahoma and those places. Yeah, and you went to uh, McKean County, Pennsylvania, and spoke with Cheryl Thomas, uh, who has an abandoned oil well on her uh, property. And let's hear from her now. Uh, the creek is 40 yards right there, not even 40 yards. And this is going into the water table somehow, coming up out of the ground and hitting the creek. This is a direct tributary to Allegheny River. So that was Cheryl Thomas in uh, McKean County, Pennsylvania. Is there going to be enough money to uh, to to fix this? Uh, you just mentioned there's a lot of money in the infrastructure bill last year. Is that enough? The answer is no, and there probably won't be enough ever to uh, to locate all of these wells because a lot of them you know, people don't know where they are. Um, they know where maybe 27,000 or so are in, say, Pennsylvania. Um, but um, this money just scratches the surface. And, you know, maybe Cheryl Thomas will have her well finally plugged. She said she had 60 of them on her property. Um, most of those have already been plugged, but that one just hadn't because it was going to be so expensive, you know, possibly more than a million dollars to plug that and other similar wells that are really hard to get to. Um but, you know, there are just so many that, you know, the Biden administration or, or in Congress can can throw billions of dollars at this problem. And it's it's going to there's just, there's just too many to plug. If the federal government can't afford to fix this and I mean, to say nothing of the states um, and the private sector can't fix this because the companies that dug these wells are long gone. 
who's left? I mean, you know what? Well, I mean, this is this is the trade-off. You you know, the oil and gas industry has been operating for well over a century, and you know there are long-term consequences of of that kind of development. And one of those consequences is the possibility that companies are not going to um, you know take care of their abandoned or the the wells that they that they're essentially leaving behind. Many of them will just walk away. And, you know, before there were regulations, that's what a lot of them did. Um, and there aren't a lot of records about who those companies were and where these wells are. Um, so it's an it's an ongoing project. The, the money represents progress, right? Some of them are going to get, and perhaps thousands of them are going to get plugged, but um, many, many, many others are not. All right. That was Bobby McGill speaking with us about uh, the climate bill in Congress and abandoned oil wells. Uh, Thanks, Bobby. Thank you. And that's it for today's Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use a pretty easy-to-remember handle. It's at environment. Just that, at environment. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, David Schultz. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle and is edited by Zach Sherwood and Chuck McCutcheon. Our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have you ever thought to yourself, how is that legal? Why is that legal? Have you ever seen a big trial in the news and wondered, what's really happening there? Have you ever pondered the question, why are lawyers the way that they are? And how much money do they really make anyway? These are the things we live and breathe over at On the Merits, Bloomberg Law's weekly legal news podcast. On the Merits looks into the biggest stories playing out in the legal industry right now. And we feature the finest journalists, covering the biggest legal stories from across the Bloomberg Law newsroom. You can hear it wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, and watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV Plus. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world.